We are so blessed today to have Beverly Burton with us, who is uh, the leader of the uh, Pettigua, is that, did I say it right? Pettiguav Christian School, the Peacemaker School of Pettiguav in um, Pettiguav, Haiti. Okay, so would you guys give a warm welcome to Miss Beverly? She's going to tell us a little bit about that ministry. Let me get you a microphone. All right, it's not on, she says. Let's see if that one's right. Is it on? Yes. It is. I'm going to give one more volume, too. Good morning, church. I am so happy to be here today. I don't think I've been to see you since you were at a high school, I think. That's been a while. Uh, and I apologize for that, but I praise God that I'm here now. So my name is Beverly Burton, and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And there, I think there might be some new faces here. So just a little bit a little bit of background about me. I am a retired special education teacher in the public school for 30 years. I thought I was finished. I said, no, God, don't let me be finished yet. I don't want to be a couch potato. Give me something to do. And he did. He sent me to the country of Haiti after their earthquake in 2010. And I loved it. I loved the children there. I loved teaching. And he sent me back until 2014, and I said, okay, I'm finished, God. I've done everything I want to do. I'm done. He said, no, that was training. He wanted me to go start a school in the, in the town of Pettiguaf, Haiti, which is about 45 miles south of the, of the capital, uh, Port-au-Prince. Um, we are in our 10th year of educating children in Haiti, first about God, and then secondly, we feed them physically because in Haiti, most of our children come to school and receive their only meal is what we provide them. And it's rice and beans every day. Imagine that. That's your diet since you've been in three-year-old class. And then we educate them. And we are blessed to have our first ninth grade class. Every year we add a new three-year-old class. And then the children just advance, and we are now serving, uh, teaching children in ninth grade. So praise God. Yay, can I hear a praise God for that? Yes. <laughs> um, because I am a missionary, we're not doing this for profit. The children don't pay to come to school. Um, they do have to make their own uniforms, because every child has to wear a uniform. They do have to buy their own books, but praise God, we have um, people who help us buy their books. Uh, in the past, that's how I met Jamie and Philip and uh, Jamie's mom, Margie, because they brought shoes for our children because they couldn't afford to buy shoes to come to school. And, um, uh oh, lost that train of thought. Okay. <laughs> um, so we are blessed to be, to be there 10 years, and it's only by the grace of God and supporters and partners that we are able to continue to pay teachers to pay rent. Our rent every year is $23,400 for our campus. And God is, provides that every year after a lot of prayer. And then to pay our teachers and to buy the food to feed the children, God has been providing. And we are grateful. Um, so our name is now Peacemaker School of Pettiguav. We used to be um, uh, golly, Christian Academy of Pettiguaf. It's only been, what, two years, I think, right? 
Um, we had to change our name because we were finally registered with the government, and they said, no, schools can't have the word Christian in them. Schools can't have the word academy in them. Okay, so we, we sent out ideas on how do we, what do we do about our name? What, what do we change it to? And somebody said Peacemaker, and it was right around the time that we were moving to a new location, and we wanted to change even our focus from a huge birthday party in December for Jesus to a huge resurrection celebration in May. Um, because the reason why Christ came, yeah, we do celebrate his birth, but he came to save us. And he came to make peace between us and God. So that's how we became the Peacemaker School. And we are teaching our children to become the peace between their unsaved family members and God as well. So it's been a huge focus for a few a huge focus change for us. We currently have 249 students at our school. That's a lot of children. That's a lot of mouths to feed every day. It's a lot of teachers to educate those children as well. We teach of course the core subjects in, in 3K all the way, well, all the way to sixth grade. We also teach them English. It's always incredible to have a second language. Those of you who are taking second language, keep doing it. And then we teach them um, uh, recreation. We had a Bible teacher, but he got married and came to the United States, so now the teachers teach Bible. Um, we have 22 staff members because we have to have a security guard at our gate as well. Uh, the country of Haiti has always been a dangerous place to be, but now there is no government and the gangs. The gangs own the, the, the capital of Port-au-Prince. We, can, we can no longer go into Port-au-Prince. Um, they're moving north and they're moving south. So that is one of my prayer requests at the end of this, is that you will continue to pray that the gangs stay out of our town. Because if they come to our town, we would be one of their first targets. Because we are a school, it's a missionary-run school, and, and anybody in America, if you have a house over your head, you have food in your refrigerator, you are rich compared to a Haitian. Okay? So, yeah, we would be a target, so that's always our number one prayer request. Um, so we began in 2014, 2015, and that's when I met Jamie and uh, Philip. Uh, and now we are in our 10th year of school, and that's a praise, praise, praise. So, hey, that worked just perfect. Talking about our mission statement. This, I've let the teachers know what our mission statement is. We've let the parents know. We want, we're always seeking God. We have a problem, we pray. There's a problem in the community, the children pray. One of our children gets six, gets six and has to be rushed to the hospital. The whole school shuts down and we pray. So we seek his, his guidance to educate these children who have absolutely nothing. The most of them live in, you are rich or you're more fortunate if you live in a cinder blocks, one room house that has a concrete floor. Most of our children live in, um, they have, metal, a little piece of tin on top, some tarps around the side, and, and have dirt floors. Um, so we're, we only serve those kinds of children, children who couldn't go to school otherwise. Um, we teach them about Christ first. 
and his eternal salvation through him only, because in the country of Haiti, it is all about voodoo and worshiping Satan and worshiping demons and darkness. Uh, they say that in Haiti, 98% are Catholic and 98% practice voodoo as well. The other 2% are followers of Jesus. Uh, we teach them life skills because when they come as a three-year-old, we have to teach them how to use a toilet because they pee outside or they pee in pots. Uh, we have to teach them how to wash their hands. We have to teach them how to eat with, well, they do know spoons because that's all they have is spoons and bowls. But we have to teach them how to eat politely and with manners and how just to talk to each other because you're on constant survival mode in Haiti. We have to teach them it's okay, you can live as well. You can feel safe at school. You can um, uh, be loved at school. Um, academics, while well, we're at school, we have to teach academics. And then how to build relationships. Um, and when you have relationships, and that's what Christ is about. He's not about religion. He's about relationship. So it is about teaching our children to have relationships with each other because when you're in constant survival mode, you don't want to build a relationship with anybody. You're just concerned about, sorry, someone in Haiti is talking to me right now. Um, it's all about just surviving every day and taking care of yourself. But if you build a relationship with someone, it's two people taking care of each other. Um, just a, just a story about a student we have there. He's been with us since three-year-old class. He's now in the sixth grade. His mama died when he was, and, and it was probably age she died of, when he was in, in second grade class. Papa hasn't been with him forever. He's, he's absent. Um, and so he lives in a small little, little community on a mountaintop. But he doesn't um, have anybody who really cares for him. And in Haiti... You don't care for other people's children because you can't care for your own. And so he'll sleep wherever he's given a porch or a pallet on the floor to sleep, and he doesn't eat. No one has enough food to f include him in their, in their um, uh, meals. And so what the, 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 the Haitian director said, what do we do about this? I, I speak with the Haitian director every Monday for two hours uh, through a translator. And we, she says, what do we do about this? And so what we've decided is he will stay after for an hour and he will do his homework under some guidance of some adults that are on campus. And then they will feed him his meal, put him on a tap tap to go home. And then uh, we provide the money for the tap tap and we pro provide the meal as well. So he at least doesn't have to worry about how to get home every day in the dark after school and what he's going to eat that night. Plus, we are very fortunate that we have, we have, he has partners. And those partners live in Floyd County, right? Yeah, Carroll County. Okay, so, but they're here. They're from this area. You know, I, I realize it's different from San Antonio. San Antonio is really huge and big, but here it's county and, yeah, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, so they are his partners and they send $20 every month in addition to their partnership, so that he can ride home on a tap-tap. So you're saying, what's a tap-tap? It's actually like a little Nissan Toyota truck, and they put uh, a cover on the back with some seats, 
and you get in, you pay your money, and when you're ready to get off at his final destination, he taps on the side of the truck, and the driver stops, and he gets out. That's why it's called tap tap. Uh oh, sorry, I lost my notes. Um, so, I hope this is helping you appreciate your Christmas a lot more. Um, I would like to invite you to become involved. I hear you already are involved. Nine, y'all brought nine barrels to, uh, to Atlanta this time? Yes. So we ha I'm so blessed to have uh, Jamie and Philip and this church and, and others who are partners and supporters. Y'all sent nine barrels of peanut butter, rice, beans, clothes, gifts, backpacks together. And then my grandson and I and two other supporters from San Antonio drove 19 barrels, I think, or 16 barrels. We had a total of 35 barrels by the time we got there uh, to, to be sent to uh, Pettiguave. They're on their way. They're on the ship now. In addition to praying that God protects our school, we need you praying that God protects those barrels and they arrive in our town intact. So what's going to happen is, once they arrive in the port, I told you the port is 100%, the, the capital is 100% taken over by gangs. When they arrive there, the gangs, unless God is protecting those barrels, the gangs will open them, take out what they want, may or may not release them from port for us to ship them down to, the, to our town. So we need prayer because God's already made a way for us to get those barrels there. He is asking, God is asking us to pray every step of the way for these barrels, okay? Um, once they arrive and, and God protects them after they're unloaded from the ship, then we have to send a driver, two drivers, into Port-au-Prince to pick up those barrels. Um, we have to pay uh, gangs in a town near Port-au-Prince to pass. Then we have to pay another set of gangs in, in another town. The first town is called Mariani. We have to pay to pass through there. Then we have to pay to pass through Montesant. Then we have to get into port, pick up our barrels. When we come out with 35 barrels, then we're going to have to pay more. And then through Montesant, and then we're going to have to pay more through Mariani. We picked up 99 boxes or 100 boxes of Feed My Starving Children. It's called Manna Rice in November. It cost almost $500 to bring 100 boxes of free rice with nutrition. So you can imagine how much it's going to cost unless we are praying diligently for us to get 35 barrels to our town. We need your prayers. We covet your prayers. So up on the screen, oh, I would like for you, it, those of you who are on Facebook, to find this page. You may, you're definitely not going to be able to get in, I don't think. I have to invite you. We're a private page because the gangs, they troll the Internet looking for missionary groups that are operating in Haiti to kidnap students or teachers. So we're a private page, but I want you to be a part of it because you live in the U.S. Uh, also, um, you saw my email up there. Email me. I'll get right back to you most, almost all the time. <laughs> uh, 
And then um, I think my phone number was up there at one point. You didn't put it? Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Well, I do have a phone number too. And I'll, if you text me and tell me who you are, I'll text you right back. Talking on the phone, oh, I don't answer the phone. I'm over 65, and they, I get Medicare. People calling me for Medicare all the time, so I don't answer the phone. Um, and then, but we want you to become a part, not only with your donating, but become a part of who we are. Is, did, did you get the picture ones? The page of pictures? Yeah, there you go. So here is a group of third graders. The little boy in white already has a partner. She lives in New York. Uh, his name is Munley. But any of those other children, they do not have partners now. So if you're interested in being a partner, partner you can contact me through email or um, find me on, that, on, that, on our Facebook page, and we would love for you to become a partner with a student. Just real quickly, it's a donation. You decide of how much you'd like to donate for that and donate to be, you know, okay. As a partner, what I want you doing is loving and praying for that child, okay? Um, you can financially support our school through being a partner, or you can just be a person who prays and loves, on that, loves that child, okay? Um, remember to pray for the barrels to get there intact. Pray that the gangs do not come into our town. And just pray that all of our students and our staff every day will be invisible to evil. Because even though the gangs haven't officially come to our town yet, there are spies in our community. And they see our uniform, and they're beginning to put two and two together. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And thank, for all, thank you for all that you have done for our school. Um, in the land of Persia, behind a shoemaker's workshop, lived an old man, a poor man, whose home was a root cellar. He was too old to lay brick, too feeble to work in the vineyards, but he made a few coins by carving little wooden animals for children and selling them in the square. Made just enough to keep a little oil in his lamp and a few handfuls of grain in a jar. So this old man who lived in the cellar sat down one evening to a, a meager meal of boiled grain. Not much. He bowed his head to give thanks, and as he is praying, there's a a tap at the door. And he finishes his prayer of thanks as he's moving to answer the knock. And he opens the door to this small little root cellar he's living in. And he sees a man dressed in rags. Has no shoes. His feet are wrapped in bandages. The poor man who lives in the cellar welcomes the stranger in. And he gives him a place to sit. Not on the cold stone floor. But on his own bedroll. And... The, the man who lives there takes the floor and he shares a meager meal with him. He shares what little he has with him. And then he goes to the bins behind the shoemaker's shop and he founds a pair of misshapen shoes that have been thrown away. He puts those on his own feet and gives his shoes to the beggar. They talked for a while and then the beggar left, thanking the old man again and again. So this was in the land of Persia and the the king of Persia in those days was a peculiar man. That world was used to the idea that kings are very far away from their people, that kings are not involved in the everyday lives of their people, that there's a great distance. But 
This king loved his people so much and he was invested in their daily lives. He wanted to know what their lives were like and the struggles that they had because he wanted to rule the kingdom in such a way that it was good for them. He loved his people so much that at a certain point he began to do something very strange. Once or twice a month, he would go out in the clothes of a commoner or even the clothes of a poor beggar and he would walk among his people live among his people, visit them in their homes. That way he can understand what they struggle with and do his best to rule in a way that makes their lives better. And of course, you've already figured it out. The beggar that showed up at the man, the door of the man who lived in the root cellar was the king. On another night, the king returned. He's again in disguise. And once again, the poor old man welcomed him in, shared a meal with him, talked with him for a while, And after the meal, the king leaned forward and said, Do you know who I am? The old man said, Ah, of course, my friend. You've been here before. I know who you are. The king replied, No. You knew me before I visited you the first time. And he stands and he throws back his beggar's clothing and reveals the rich robes of royalty. And the old man who lives in the cellar, he falls at the feet of this man he now recognizes as the king. And the king thought the old man might ask for a favor or a blessing or a gift, but he didn't. Instead, he cried out, almost weeping for joy. Oh, great king, he says, you left your palace to visit me in this dark place. You left your counselors and your wise men to speak with me humble things you left your throne and your banquets to sit on my damp floor and eat boiled grain you've given many rich gifts to others but to me you've given the greatest gift of all you've given me yourself and from that day forward the old man became an artisan in the king's court and he carved little wooden animals for the king's own children and he didn't have to live in a root cellar ever again Now, in our day, we are so accustomed to the idea of people who are in power not understanding what it's like to be just a regular, everyday person. No matter what your political persuasions are, you would probably be able to offer the same complaint that the people who seem to have the power don't really know what it's like to just be an everyday, common person and to struggle with the things that we struggle with. That's the world we're used to. We have a hard time imagining someone in a truly great position humbling themselves to share the normal life of of just people people like us who can imagine a king who would leave his throne and give himself to people like us well that's the very thing that was promised from back in the old testament isaiah the prophet received the promise 600 years before the christmas story it goes something like this isaiah 7 14 You've heard this before if you've been around church a little bit. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what that name Emmanuel means? It means God with us. God with people. Now, in a sense, God is always with his people. Always, always, always. He's present with us through his Holy Spirit. But there was a day, there was a time when, when God would physically walk among his people and live with human beings. 
like the king in the story who took on the clothing of a commoner or a beggar and visited his people, God visited us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God who took on humanity and lived among humans. The true God became one of us so we could live with him. Jesus left heaven, became a human, lived like us. He gave, himself the, gave us the greatest gift. He, he gave himself. Jesus gave up. Uh, King Jesus traded a throne for a trough. He traded the sweet savor of heaven for the not-so-sweet smell of a stable. He traded legions of adoring angels for lowly animals. He traded worship for whipping. Adoration for abuse. He traded a crown for a cross. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus give up the glory of heaven for, and, and give himself to a world that by and large would reject and hate him? Because that's what it took for our redemption. It took the suffering. He took the suffering of our sin on himself and he paid for it. He did it all for us. He gave up everything so that we could be with him. The poor man welcomed the beggar into his home, not knowing that he was the king of the land. How much more should we welcome Jesus into our hearts knowing he's the king of eternity? So what's your story? Have you done that? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you given him first place in your life? Have you turned yourself over to him? If you haven't, that's what I encourage you to do. Not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. There is life and hope and peace in this world and the next through Jesus. And if you know the love of Jesus, you say, hey, pastor, I know that stuff. I've been there. I have believed. I'm a believer. You don't have to preach to me. You're preaching to the choir. Well, let me tell you this. If you know Jesus and he is your king, then you need to reflect the, the life of Jesus in your life. Reflect the power of his love in your everyday lives. This Christmas, maybe one of the best gifts you can give to the people in your life to live with the kind of heart that Jesus lived with. To show him that kind of love. He loved people who were being unlovable. That's what unconditional love is, by the way. Unconditional love is still caring about somebody and wanting the best for them when they're not giving you anything in return. And if you think that's easy, you haven't done it. Anybody who thinks Christianity is a crutch for the weak has not tried it. You cannot live like Jesus said to live without an incredible amount of strength that must come through him. Jesus gave of himself for those who could give nothing in return. You want to be like Jesus? That's what you've got to do. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God with us. And if you're a believer, you're the presence of God to the world around you. As you live out this life of Jesus, you bring a little bit of the presence of God into a world that desperately needs it, into the lives of people who desperately need to see love and hope and peace. And that's a Christmas miracle. Merry Christmas to you all. I pray that God blesses you so much this year. It won't be easy necessarily, but it can be so good when God is with us. That's what he is, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray, and we're going to close out the service right here. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we do praise you. We glorify you. 
We ask that we would understand more and more what it means that, that you came and walked among us as a person like us, as, as Jesus, as, as more than just a mortal, but as God walking among us. Lord, may we be people who believe that and live that and share that every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So next week is Christmas Eve, and we will be here. And we hope we get to see a lot of y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Take care.